Hello, everyone, and welcome to the BMW Blog Podcast, Episode 4. And today we have a very special guest. Today is our guest, Chuck Vossler, and he has been writing for BMW Blog um, for a while now. You know, he's contributed quite a bit, and he is our resident EV expert, and he's owned quite a few BMWs in the past. So we want to talk to him a little bit about EVs. Um, he's actually an owner of a Tesla Model 3, so we'll talk a little bit about that, and then we'll kind of go... Uh, down the rabbit hole from there. So thank you for joining me, Chuck. Thanks, Nico, for having me. I've really been enjoying the podcasts that you've uh, started. They've been a lot of fun to listen to. I appreciate that. It's a, it's a new experience for us. Uh, to be honest, uh, the first episode of this was my first experience with any sort of podcasting, be it host or otherwise. So we're kind of learning on the fly and I'm glad you like it. Um, so I'd like to talk to you first about kind of the differences between two really, um, really big cars at the moment, like c- competing cars, and it's the BMW i3 and the Tesla Model 3, because you actually own both. Is that correct? Yeah, that is correct. We have a 2018 BMW i3s, um, and we 2018 Tesla Model 3 performance. And my wife and I are we're, one of us is driving one of them every day, and so they have a lot of miles on them, have, I don't know, close to 70,000 miles on EVs under our belt. And, uh, you know, we, we live in the Midwest. The weather in the winter can get really cold and get a lot of snow. So, um, you know, we drive them year-round. They're not just uh, good weather cars. They're year-round uh, commuter cars for us. And that's interesting because a lot of people tend to think that EVs are not unusable in cold weather, but because of the, you know, battery, the range kind of drops a little bit in cold weather. And, you know, maybe with the instant torque, they might not be great in bad weather, but you do drive them all year round. Absolutely. We get maybe 30 inches of snow a year here, but we're oh. kind of on the, the line where we get a lot of um, weather that changes fast. And when the weather changes fast, it'll frequently change to ice. So I think probably my recommendation for anybody driving in bad weather, of course, especially with EVs and the instantaneous torque is that you need some snow tires and um, we've run all kinds of snow tires. And uh, right now on the I3, we're running um, Hakapalita R2s, which have, they've gone on to the R3 now, but the, the wear we're getting out of them is fantastic. They do extremely well on the ice. They have a lot of sipes and they're, they're, uh, they're great in, in the bad weather. And um, we have uh, some Dunlops on our Tesla and, and been, been happy with them too, but they're um, maybe not as good in the ice, but they're a little a little firmer. Right. And the, the Tesla, the performance, it's dual motor, right? So is it all-wheel drive? That's correct. It is all-wheel, all uh, dual motor, all-wheel drive. I'm not sure. I know for sure they call it dual motor. Um, you know, I don't know that I've heard them call it uh, all wheel drive, but it's definitely dual motor, but right. all four wheels are driven and uh, it can instantaneously vary the torque uh, to wherever, you know, has the best traction. Uh, and, you know, it, in the winter, you know, with snow tires and bad weather, the, the dual motor slash all wheel drive aspect of it is, uh, is awesome. The I3 sometimes can struggle to find grip a little bit in the rear, but I've never, ever gotten stuck. And in fact, um, the last bad snowstorm we had here in Kansas, um, I went by SUVs that were stuck going up hills <laughs> and I just kind of zipped around them in the I3 and then kept right on going. And it don't, the, clearly the answer is that we had, you know, fantastic snow tires on and they were right. driving on, you know, as the Germans call them, no season tires. <laughs> Instead of all season tires. Yeah, I'm sure you hurt the pride of uh, quite a few SUV owners. Um, 
seeing a little electric hatchback zip by them in the snow. Um, now, as a Model 3 owner, because it's such a polarizing car, especially among, I, w- I wouldn't even just say BMW fans, I would actually probably say all European car fans kind of, I don't know if they hate the Model 3, but it seems to be like, you know, it, maybe it's jealousy because the Model 3 performance is remarkably fast and it really does uh, kind of beat up on its European rivals. So as an owner, how do you feel about it, especially compared to the i3? Well, for some reason, um, you know, it has been interesting. When we got our i3, we got our first one in 2014. I don't think I'd, outside of when I went on the i8 press launch, I don't think I'd ever been a car or owned a car that got more attention. You get out of it, people ask you, what is that car? And you'd explain it's an all-electric car from BMW and their new philosophy of uh, carbon fiber reinforced plastic, you know, battery panel on the bottom, uh, you know, battery pack on the bottom and electric motor. And, you know, you got that question a million times. How far does it go? How, how long does it take to charge? With the Tesla, people are more, in, you know, used to seeing Teslas now, but there is a definite number of people that hate Teslas. You'll get people in diesel trucks that will try to coal roll you. Really? Uh, you know, every, every single day, you know, on the internet, you see somebody in a Tesla getting keyed. Uh, you know, Oof. I don't know why people hate uh, Teslas, especially, you know, a certain, you know, population of you know, Americans hate an American company. It just it makes no sense to me. But right. that's just the way it is, you know. But um, but it's a fantastic car. And, you know, it's they're two, you know, totally different cars, but when you put them together, I think they, they really make the perfect family EV combo. I mean, the i3 is the best car I've ever driven around uh, like a city to go run an errand, to go in a tight parking garage. Uh, nothing can get in and out of a parking spot like an i3. Um, and you know, the Tesla's model, the model three, the, the turning radius is not as good. So you might, you know, something in, that would take one cut in the i3 to get parked in a tight space, they'll take a couple cuts in a Model 3. Not that it's a big deal, but, you know, if we're in the city going to a big, you know, event in a parking garage, we always take the i3 because it's just, I mean, the ideal city car. Right. So there's definitely a difference in their, you know, target, you know, their, their target usage. You know, the, the i3 is very much a city car because Horacio has one as well. And he's had a few of them now um, and he loves it in Chicago. You know, it, it seems like a great city yeah, car. It, it, it's a fantastic car, like for commuting. Uh, they're not ideal for long trips, in my opinion. But you know, I mean, how often do you go on a long trip in a car? You know, maybe right. once a month, or you know, I mean, people generally, if they, if you know, and BMW did a ton of research and they called it the mega city car. I think they kind of thought it would be popular in New York and LA, like these giant cities. But, you know, where I live in Kansas City, it's a perfect car because, you know, you charge it at home every day. You leave the house. You have 120 miles. Never, ever, ever have I wanted more range for a daily drive. You know, we've taken it to a couple surrounding cities and come back with no problems. So, you know, having a, over 100-mile range has been uh, fantastic and really increased the usability of it um, after the first iteration of the the electric backpack or the electric battery pack went from 22 kilowatt hours to 33 kilowatt hours in the i3 around 2017, I want to say. And when they did that and you punched over that 100 mile range, finally, uh, it became for us a lot more usable because then the impact in the winter when the battery gets really cold and you lose maybe a third of the capacity, 
you know, it, it didn't make any difference when you're driving 40 miles round trip. But if you had an 80 mile battery, um, like the first one and the weather got crazy cold, like a couple of times on us, like five degrees Fahrenheit minus five degrees Celsius, uh, you know, then you had to make sure you knew you could go there and come back. And, you know, we don't really think we don't have to think like that now with the bigger battery packs that they have in the I3s. And that's interesting because I think a lot of people's com- main complaint of the I3 is that it's relative lack, you know, it's relative lack of range compared to something like the Model 3. It has a tiny range, but if you use it the way it's intended to be used, it's fine. It's right. Fine. I mean, we've gone on like three major road trips and the not really do in the I3, but if you think about it in, you know, a several year time span, that's like a couple times you couldn't really easily use the i3 i know people with a rex will drive them uh farther distances but you know it has a really small 2.2 gallon um uh gas tank and it has a 700 cc scooter motor from a bmw scooter in europe and you know it can charge some but it's not really that that uh it won't generate enough electricity to to you know keep up when it's really cold or you know, in Europe, they will let them turn the motor on to charge the battery. Say you see a mountain coming up ahead, you flip the, the generator on, fill the battery up some more, and you make it up the mountain. Well, in the U.S., because of California laws at the time the I-3 came out, you couldn't, they wouldn't let you have that option in the U.S. that you could flick it on whenever you wanted. So right. instead, it asked, it asked you basically to, to run out almost of electricity before it kick on and then it might not kick, you know, might not be able to charge fast enough to get you up the hill and people were having to slow down and it was a total pain in the ass. So there's a whole, a group of people that are huge enthusiasts on BMW um, i3s on, on a Facebook group uh, of which I'm a member on. And a lot of them will code these Rexes so that they get the benefit like the Europeans do with the i3 Rex, the range extender gasoline generator on board you know so they can yeah go a lot farther than just the initial charge on the battery yeah and i that's funny because i kind of forgot about that 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 law was to allow the i3 to be sold as an ev and not a plug-in hybrid right right it allowed them to get a a better stickers um so that they could travel a a certain hov lanes in in california not not elsewhere Right, right Um, so as a model three owner, how do you feel about the performance? Because that's all you hear about on the internet. You know, you watch model threes destroy even supercars and drag races. You know, I think it is, you know, it along with model S P 100 D or performance, whatever they call it now. I don't know. I think they changed the name of it, but they are, they are stoplight Kings. There's like literally nothing in town that you run into that you can't destroy at a stoplight. Now, how useful is that? You know? beyond three or four seconds it's fun uh but you know you're gonna immediately get yourself in trouble um uh i find that the the model 3 performance handles incredibly well i mean it will i mean it literally just squirts out of a corner you pitch it into a corner it kind of rolls a little bit more than you think a true sports car should uh then it settles down and then you just i mean you go blasting out of the corner as as fast as you're willing to take it uh, you know, the the one downside of it, if you like compared it to like, I, I have an, e, an older M3, the, the one downside to it is the seats. I mean, the seats in the Model 3 Performance are no different than the Model 3 
uh, long range or dual motor. Um, and you, you about come out of the seat when you corner really hard and you don't think about stuff like that until you're like, you're in the corner and you find when your body's sliding off to the side and if it slides you off to the side too much, it can affect your steering input. And that gets a little disturbing. And, you know, the body roll and movement is not, you know, what I expect of like an M3 or a Porsche GT car. Those are very composed and very firm and not much body roll. Now the, the model three, no doubt, uh, performance kills, you know, a lot of cars on a lap or two. Um, but you know, you're sliding around the chair, you know, I mean, the experience is different from, from a driver's perspective. I mean, it, it can do it and you see every day, the thing, you know, you see a new drag race video where it's killing something else. But when, when it comes to like, you hit the corner, I mean, it'll take the corner, it does great around the corner, but your, your body starts to slide and, you know, the body roll is, is a little more than you would expect. So a lot of people are putting suspension on the car um, yeah, and you know, to help fixed. address that. Absolutely. Yeah, so it doesn't seem like it's a proper driver's car, but it is a very, very impressive performance car. Yeah, it, you know, it is, uh, you know, it is driver enthusiasts love it. You know, it is, it is a fun car, but, you know, uh, you know, I think you can't discount the years and years of experience and um, production of, you know, M3 car, M3s, you know, f- going back into the 80s and, you know, those things you have when you, you feel certain corners and, you know, you just, you take the corner in the Model 3 performance and it may be just as fast or faster through the corner, but just the body motions are not as composed as what you will feel in an M3 or a GT3 or GT4, um, you know, it's fun. It's just a lot different. Right. And I think that's a very refreshingly um, honest opinion on it because it seems like the internet is divided that it's either the most amazing performance car ever or it's the worst one. It seems like that's those are the only two opinions that you see on the internet. And I, I am guilty of um, kind of maybe unfairly criticizing Tesla in general myself, but uh, it is refreshing to hear how it is very good but you know it's very different from you know something like an M3. Yeah, and the the, the brakes on an M3 are going an M3 will outbreak it. Um, the Tesla Model 3 performance has very good brakes, um, but <clears throat> they still don't grab um, like uh, you know carbon ceramics on an M3 at a racetrack. I mean, yeah, totally different levels. You know, uh, overall, you know, you still might get around the racetrack at the same rate because the model three can come out of the corner so much faster because it can just instantaneously apply torque and vary it exactly where it needs so the car can struggle and grab grip exactly where it can maximize it Mm. Um, but but the experience is totally different but it's it's fun it's just a totally different experience gotcha so it's interesting because tesla seems to be the kind of darling right now the ev darling you know they're making some really impressive stuff um, but BMW, like in 2014, they came out with the i3 and the i8 and they really shocked the world and they, they, they came out of the gate really hot and now they've kind of they've fallen behind a little bit. So it's really yeah. interesting. I, I think, you know, a, a good trend, you know, you can see on that is when the i3 came out in 2014, the people, 
Uh, absolutely loved it. And people still love the car. I mean, it's fabulous. I'm glad to hear that BMW is going to continue to produce beyond its seventh year because each year successfully, successively, it keeps selling more and more and more cars uh, of the i3. And um, But I think people really, really expecting BMW to take the i3 and the i8 as a launching platform and then maybe take the lead on pure EVs or, you know, they expected the uh, We'd heard rumors that I pretty much pick a number, I3, I4, I5, I6, I7 had all been trademarked by BMW, and we were all expecting all these cars to come out um, with the same kind of carbon fiber reinforced plastic and dedicated EV architecture. And really, uh, if anything, you haven't seen anything, you've seen BMW kind of march towards the philosophy of plug-in hybrid everything uh, and to, to take um, the iX3 as an example, the pure electric uh, X3, which um, I would think we would be due any day to get it, but it, nobody's really seen it for a while. Um, but basically to take the, the single body architecture for an X3, make it a pure EV, make it a plug-in hybrid version, make a diesel version, make several different gasoline motor versions. So, so they take one proven platform and then they, they put multiple different engines and um you know uh propulsion systems in it and maybe the best example of this currently and what's going to hit the market in march of 2020 is the mini cooper se the all-electric mini cooper where yes. they've taken um, initially what I thought and what they showed at Frankfurt, the 2015, no, 2017 Frankfurt auto show. When we went there, there was the mini Cooper all electric concept, which was just stunning. Uh, and the production versions are always, you know, more muted than the others, but you can clearly tell with the mini Cooper SE that it is a, um, mini Cooper, uh, that has just had the engine removed uh, and you put the i3 engine in the front instead of the back and then in the transmission tunnel and underneath the seat they have the batteries so there's some yellow badging on it the, the wheels are different there's a charging port instead of a gasoline um, thing but it, you know it's almost in, indistinguishable from a gasoline powered um, mini cooper um, which yeah. Like it or not, that's you know I get you have to save money on uh, development, but I think when BMW came out with I brand and they called it another division, felt like M was a division, and you know I think people expected a lot uh, out of it, and you know maybe they'll deliver with the I four. I don't know the I four concept um, when it was released in the um, Frankfurt Auto Show in 2017 um, was stunning, and it still is a stunning car, right? but it is. Yeah. It's apparently based on the 4 Series Grand Coupe platform. Uh, Size-wise, for sure, they share the same size. But I don't think we have any real details on you know, whether or not we know if it's a dedicated EV platform or not. But I certainly suspect that it will be the similar philosophy of the, the X3, you know, iX3, in that it will be a shared, you know, there will be a transmission tunnel there. There will be an engine compartment may have an electric motor in it instead of you know uh, but if you look at an i3 there is no question that is uh, an electric vehicle same with the model 3 model s model x you look at them they're dramatically different than gasoline powered vehicles right and you're, you're right the i4 the upcoming i4 is based on the next gen 4 series grand coupe 
Um, so you're right. It will have a transmission tunnel. It's not a dedicated EV platform. It is, you know, a modified uh, modular architecture. So it's not going to be that dedicated EV. And I think I'm, I'm in agreement with you that it is kind of disappointing because like, like you said, you look at an I3 and it looks so revolutionary and it, it kind of is, you know, you know, the carbon fiber reinforced plastic body structure, um, you know, dedicated EV chassis, uh, rear wheel drive, which is kind of awesome for an EV, you know, only a test. Yeah, I, it handles so just a blast. Yeah, it, and I've driven it several times myself and I even drove it on autocross event at a, one of the BMW's test fest one year and it was a blast. It was awesome. so much fun. Yeah, so it, it's. I agree with you. It, they started out of the gate so hot. There was such promise with the I division. It seemed like BMW was going to like revolutionize, uh, you know, the EV world. And then all of a sudden, they've kind of taken a backseat to a lot of brands. I mean, right. even change scares, if you will. Yeah, like even some of its major competitors, like Audi, who had hadn't had an EV at all, and now they have the e-tron SUV, and they're going to come out with two more like in the next year. And you know, these are pure EVs based on you know. Uh, dedicated ev architecture so it's kind of like what's bmw doing right now everybody likes to talk about how advanced the porsche um tycan or tycon however you say it is because it has a two-speed auto you know electric transmission i mean it's a it's an ev but it has a two-speed transmission well a lot of people don't realize the i8 two-speed uh, transmission for its electric motor you know right. one basically to get you out of the hole and then one that's basically highway speed that's the same thing that the porsche Taycan did except for bmw did it back in 2014 and not many people realize that and no, you know not many people talk about it but you know bmw was that far ahead i mean 2014 versus basically a 2020 car but they really yeah you know we don't we don't know what um, BMW's future is with it, but they're still still producing it. But it, you know, the i8, the i3, both you know, revolutionary cars. And I think everybody's just kind of sitting back to see, you know, what what next, basically. Yeah, and it's interesting because the next car they're really going to come out with the next EV is the i next, and that is an SUV. It's going to have a ton of you know BMW's best autonomous technology. And according to you know executives of BMW, that is where they are, you know, that's where they're putting all their chips in is the iNex. And it's going to have every, according to BMW, it's going to have, you know, every bit of their best electric and autonomous tech. And it's, it, you're, they're telling us that, but because we haven't seen any of it, it seems kind of like, all right, well, maybe I'll believe it when I see it kind of thing. Yeah, it, it is, uh, you know, I, um, I was fortunate to get to go to the New York uh, EPRI, the, the all electric um, Formula E race in New York city right, and they yeah. and bmw brought an i next there and that was the first time i had gotten to see it and it is maybe kind of your first reaction the first time you see the i3 i had it i'm like oh my gosh that is so different um but i worry it's so different that the production one is going to look dramatically different than the one that they're showing right now which <laughs> if you look at yeah. the certainly if you look at the interior it's going to have to be different but um, hopefully overall size wise and dedicated EV platform that, you know, they'll be able to keep it. And, you know, if somebody can make a, a cool car, um, from scratch, certainly BMW has proven that they could, but it'll be interesting to see, you know, when they come out with that and, you know, what its capabilities will be. Yeah. It, it's definitely going to be interesting because it's, um, you know, again, it's supposed to be everything they've got. It's supposed to be their, their their best electric and autonomous tech. So hopefully it's as revolutionary as something like the i3 was. 
Um, you know, that, that would be, that would be huge for BMW. Um, but it's interesting because it's not just EVs where BMW, I don't want to say that they're disappointing as of late, but you know, it, it seemed like there was a time when BMW could do no wrong, you know, and with performance cars and the way cars handled like, you know, E46, you know, E39, those kind of, you know, those brilliant yeah, chassis and yeah, now, class, classic BMWs. Right. And now it seems like almost everything they come out with is criticized at least a little bit for steering and handling. And you are an of more old school BMWs than new school BMWs. Yeah. You know, it is bizarre because I have, uh, you know, it, the Tesla and the BMW i3, love those, drive those all the time. But, you know, in the corner of my garage is a E92 M3, which I'm about halfway done changing the brakes on for a driving school and I'm going to take it to oh, nice. um, in about 10 days uh, down at one of my favorite racetracks called Hallett. And um, I, there's something about working on um, your car. There's something about like the, the naturally aspirated screaming motor that the E92 M3 has, uh, the tactile feedback you get when you're high in the rev range. You just, you're able to kind of feather and control the, the angle that you want the car to go. You know, you can throttle steer it. I'm a lot more comfortable throttle steering an E92 M3 uh, than I am, say, an F80 M3. I'm always afraid the F80 M3 is going to step out, you know, and go. I mean, it makes it's a drift king, no, no doubt. But it is, yeah. uh, you know, the the boost sometimes on those and the instantaneous delivery of the power. Uh, if you're not ready for it, you're going to go sideways. And you know, um, I like the M button on that. You know, it lets you do that a little bit, it, but it keeps you in check from going off the track. But, yeah. um, but I, I, I just, uh, I don't, I don't know. I don't see myself getting rid of my E92 M3 just because, uh, you know, BMW when the BMW M division was founded they they had a philosophy of normally aspirated high rev manual transmission well you know times have moved on and you know now that philosophy is is no longer there but to me the e92 is kind of one m3 is one of the hallmark m3s of, of the the that philosophy and uh, you know just a wonderful car nothing sounds like it once you put the right exhaust on that car nothing it just is phenomenal <laughs> I, I made a a video on the top five mods for a BMW uh, M3 and it, it's, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's a fun, fun video to make and it's just a fun car. Well, now what exhaust do you have on yours? Is it aftermarket? I have a diamond intake cross pipe and exhaust and I actually bought, um, I bought the E92 M3 used and I bought it from another BMW CCA member. It's the BMW car club of America. I've been a member of that for forever, but I bought it from, from a guy in Chicago, uh, surprise, you know, <laughs> um, and he pretty much done everything to the car that I, I would have done. And the intake exhaust and cross pipe really kind of uncorked the car. And the, it, it is a, a screamer. I mean, it just sounds phenomenal when you get on it. Yeah. It is one of those, like it's one of those all time great, sounding engines and it's i i adore hearing that thing it's just it's oh yeah especially at full car. chat man it just so good. yeah what it revs to what like 8250 8400 about 8400 yeah that's uh, that's pretty wild i actually had an interesting discussion with one of the wm guys in uh one of the frankfurt auto shows and he he recommended if you were going to buy an em3 series he thought the dct was the better 
uh, transmission to have because once the car gets so far up in the rev range, it's hard to know, okay, I'm at 8,300, I better get ready to shift so that I don't go over 8,400 RPM and that you can't shift fast enough sometimes. So like maybe on a true performance thing, you know, the DCT would, is definitely going to be faster because it, it, you know, that car is kind of a dual personality car, low rumbling torque, you know, down low, but then, you know, it, you, you drive it angry and it just comes alive. And I just, I enjoy driving a manual transmission car for that. And, um, even if it is slower, but it's just a lot more, it's a lot of fun to drive and very visceral feeling car. Yeah. And I, I agree with you. And I, I've always said, unless you're kind of, you know, putting food on your table with race winnings, just get the manual because it's going to be more enjoyable. You know, if what if the extra tenths of a second that you're going to be faster with the DCT, what is that really worth, you know, on the road? Just get the manual. Yeah. It's going to be more fun. Um, and that's not the only naturally aspirated manual car you own, right? That you own uh, some other interesting things. Yeah. I've, uh, you know, I have a car, I like to say I have a car problem. So, um, <laughs> good problem. Uh, I do have, uh, a GT4 in the garage and you know what I, I think what I love about it is that the Porsche Cayman GT4, right? Just to yeah, correct. Okay. Uh, sorry. Thanks. <laughs> um, what I love about it is, is it reminds me of BMW's philosophy at the time. Like if you look back to the E30 M3, the, um, the E46 M3, that those cars had a really tremendous chassis, tremendous brakes, tremendous handling, uh, and maybe not as much motor. And that's, that's kind of what a GT4 is to me. It's, it's a lot of fun to play with and it, it handles phenomenal. It, um, uh, it, you know, you work up into its capabilities and, uh, you know, I find that BMW used to be more power than, uh, chassis and, you know, the F80 M3s that I've driven total blast around town, you know, stop like King, you know, jump those torque, you know, get you out of the hole fast. But on a, on a track, I find it a lot for me personally to control. Cause I'm, I'm not Bill Oberlin, you know, I just, <laughs> I just enjoy, uh, having fun on a track and I'm, you know, very fortunate to have some, some fun toys. But, you know, if you ask me if I had to live with one car, you know, what would I take? I'd probably take, uh, you know, an electric car because they're, uh, you know, you, you use them every day. The maintenance is nothing. In fact, uh, BMW called me last, the end of last week and told me that the I3 was due for service. And I'm like, is it two years old and it needs a brake flush? And they're like, yep, that's it. <laughs> Because there's nothing wrong with the car. They don't. I mean, it's wearing the back tires out because uh, you. Let, it's for fun to step on the, the gas, but they don't. They just. They don't re- require anything. And because the the recuperation energy recuperation going right back to the battery, you know, they don't wear out brakes like uh, like my you know the E92 M3. It 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 needed <laughs> new brakes before I could um, thrash it this coming weekend. So yeah, I I, I definitely can understand and appreciate that lack of maintenance of an electric car that seems like it's just it takes a huge weight off your shoulders especially a performance car owner you know there's a lot to uh there's a lot to manage and understand and you know try to keep an eye on with a performance car you know because they're high maintenance and they're high strong engines with an ev there's really nothing you know so it's that is quite nice yeah just uh you know keep them charged keep the you know keep the tire pressures correct and um you know you're not going to wear the brakes out but every couple of years you need uh, fluid flush and interestingly when tesla model s's came out you know they wanted you to flush the 
differentials and stuff, but now they don't even recommend that. Just the, the intermittent um, brake fluid flush there as well. Well, that, um, you know, as someone who owns older cars, typically, uh, that sounds really nice, actually. So I don't have to worry about so much maintenance. It is. It, it, yeah. it, no, no doubt. Now, I'm, I have to, I just want to talk to you a little bit about the Porsche Cayman GT4, simply because I'm extremely jealous, because I <laughs> have adored that car from afar, and I've never driven one. Um, oh, sure. It's just, it seems like to me, just the perfect driver's car, because I've driven a standard Cayman S on track and i thought and it's funny i drove it i was on a, a test trip with uh, continental tire and they had oh, um, yeah. i was in a bmw m4 and then i jumped right into the cayman and i remember being like the cayman's slower by like a considerable amount but damn this is the one i want to drive <laughs> i like to i like to describe it as it's a, it's an easy car to drive fast very intuitive when you drive it um i think the mid-engine layout of it um it just turns and goes kind of where you think um it's just uh i don't know it it's it's an experience for sure to drive yeah i uh i really have adored that thing before because it's, yeah. it's a really special car yeah it's interesting because uh watched the formula one races that that just have you know just finished today and um you know the very first ta- track i took the, the gt4 to was coda so threw it in a buddy's trailer we went down to coda he co-drove it he's a porsche racing instructor uh he drove it and i drove it in an advanced group and he drove an instructor group and uh you know that that car is just amazing uh it just it's very um telepathic in terms of how it tells you what's going on with the front end and and the, the i think the power delivery a lot of people criticize the gearing on it but you know i found on a track it didn't really bother me uh you know i get that second gear is really tall but uh you know it doesn't it didn't really didn't bother me so much you know yeah that's been like the only criticism i think i've ever heard about it is that the gearing's a little too tall in the lower gears um but seriously okay yeah <laughs> it makes you that? wonder it makes you almost make division didn't you know put a better you know, gear ratio in it because they didn't want it to get too close to the GT3. I, I, I don't know. Yeah, um, I, heard, but, you I, know, I know there's the an outfit speed, in, but... yeah, I know there's an outfit in California that will help you change the gear ratios, but that's, you know, certainly not anything I'm interested in. Yeah, I feel like um, it's a fine problem to have. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, well, I don't want to waste too much more of your time, so I really appreciate you coming on and talk to us because that's, you know. You bet, Nico. I'm, I'm really enjoying your uh, podcast, and I like to say old school BMW questions, uh, any DIY type uh, things or, you know, any EV questions, you know, I'm, I'm happy to come back and uh, chat. I You know, people uh, at work know me. They always know when they see a different car in the garage, they come up and find me at work and ask. They ask me all kinds of questions about, EVs and Teslas and, you know, uh, high performance cars. Uh, you know, I just, it's, uh, it's definitely been a passion of mine for a long time and, you know, I'm fortunate to get to drive a bunch of good, good ones. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, anytime, uh, we would love to have you on, you know, as you know, future episodes and as much as, as much as you, uh, as much as you want to come on, cause I know you're a busy guy. So, um, come on whenever you'd like. And I, really appreciate you having having you on today because you know you have a wealth of knowledge as you said you're like the resident car guy and uh I, you know everywhere you go 
So yeah, thank you again for coming on and uh, you know, can't wait to talk again. You bet. Uh, and I like your, your tip of if you got questions, shoot them to Nico at bmwblog.com. <laughs> and, uh, you know, if you guys have questions, shoot them to Nico and someday I'll come back on and uh, try and answer them. Sounds good. Yeah. If you have questions for Chuck as well, uh, send them over and we'll have Chuck answer them for you. And next time he's on. So, you know, thanks again and you know, have a good right. night. Chuck. Thanks a lot, Nico. Bye-bye. Okay. So I just want to thank Chuck for coming on. Uh, you know, it's Sunday night and he didn't have to spend his Sunday night talking to uh, an idiot like me. So thank you again, Chuck. And again, if you guys have any questions, shoot them over at Nico at bmwblog.com. That's N-I-C-O at bmwblog.com. And, uh, you know, if not, don't worry about it. I get it. I don't want to talk to me either. So yeah, until next time.